Hey, this is your host, Daphne Laforêt. And before we start with this week's episode, I really want to introduce you to our main partner for the podcast, Catalog. And I couldn't be more grateful and proud because what they have built is seriously a game changer. Catalog is a work hub that replaces a whole stack of tools with a single platform that centralizes your people, processes, and knowledge, and it's completely customizable. But what is next level is that it uses AI to mold instantly to the structure of your business, which means you can get started straight away. Using just a brief description, it builds a bespoke platform precisely configured to run your company operations all in a matter of seconds. It is structured and seamlessly connected, meaning work becomes visible, processes are automated, and collaboration is supercharged. So go ahead and get started at catalog.com. That's catalog with a Q, and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Remote First Podcast, produced by Modern Leaders. Every other Tuesday, listen in to hear from large or innovative companies enabling an equitable and distributed workplace experience. Hey, this is the Remote First Podcast, and this week I'm so excited because I am with nothing but Laurel Farrer. Thank you for joining, Laurel. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It's so nice. It's been so many years that we are connected in the field of remote work. We connected back in 2016, where we were collaborating or like you were part of a conference I was hosting, and then we connected there, and then I saw you founding distribute that was like an amazing success for you as a remote work consultancy and now like you recently joined GitLab which is like the best remote first practitioners out there who've been like super generous in the past two three years and sharing content so it's so nice to see that you're taking a step into GitLab and as a principal strategy and operation workplace so I'd love that if you can just give us a little bit more info about your journey like how has it been for you? And this must have been quite a, a oh, ride. In a- to say the least. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a year. <laughs> yeah, where do you want to start? What specifically are you hungry to know? Because you know me, I'm, I'm an open book. I am happy to fill the tea. So, you know, you were at Distribute and you were joining GitLab now in, in, as a principal strategy in operation. So what does that mean? What does that move mm-hmm. towards like entrepreneur to employee means to you? And then... Yeah, what are you doing absolutely. Now well, GitLab, basically. I think the irony and maybe the big secret about me as a thought leader, especially the CEO of Distribute, is that Distribute was, for me as an individual, was never intended to be a business. What it was me approaching larger consulting firms way back in 2017 and saying, hey, I think that there's something here. There, remote work is becoming much more of an emerging conversation. There's more businesses that are adopting this at a higher scale. And I think that there need to be consulting services from a credible brand that speak to this topic. But, you know, this was 2017. Nobody would listen to me. Nobody would give me the time of day. I got laughed out of every room that I went to. And so me being me, <laughs> the spiteful, stubborn person that I am, I was like, well, I'm going to prove it. <laughs> I'm going to get a few of my own clients and consult specifically on this topic, prove that there's profitability, prove that there's interest, and prove that there are repeatable services available. And then I can take it to to these consulting firms and have a case for opening a role on this topic. So that's where it originated And then it was just a different story, you know, as so so many times 
so many things happen. Life is what happens when you plan something else. And so Distribute was great and it grew and it built. I had an incredible team. I, so I emerged from being an independent consultant to having a firm. And then, of course, <laughs> March 2020 Pandemic. happened. Yeah, exactly. So we were already in the process of like, okay, what does this look like long term? Is this sustainable? And then our leads increased by 6,000% that month. And it was just riding that wave for the next two years. So it was at the end of those two years and earlier in 2021 that I, because I have such a wonderful, wonderful team at Distribute, I was able to raise my hand and say, hey, this was not my plan. I don't mm. love being a CEO. This is really exhausting for me. This isn't the work and skill set that I really want to apply for the rest of my career. And, you know, I'm still mid-career and I wanted to make sure that I was on a good long-term trajectory. And so they were entirely supportive of me exiting from Distribute and they continue to maintain Distribute and Distribute is still what it is. And it's so great. And then I got to still have the career that I originally wanted, which obviously is now kicking off with this role in GitLab. So I am so excited to be back in the corporate space and really leaning into content construction, which I love, like you said, strategy and operations. My background is in organizational development and behavior. So I'm getting to do more of that. So I really feel like I'm back in the work that I love to do. That's so exciting. And I feel like this is so you. I'm really excited for you. And you know how I've seen if you want to be also the kind of the new spokesperson a bit for GitLab as well, because this was a lot of movement with GitLab recently. Like this episode is published basically like maybe a couple of weeks after just what just was announced with Darren Murph, who left GitLab for another company. So now maybe Darren hired you and then like you took over. Like what's the story there? And you're basically our new our new mascot that was going <laughs> to just tell us everything about GitLab again. And we're going to follow Laurel now. Yeah, I mean, Darren's personal brand was so iconic and maybe even more popular than the GitLab company brand. So those are big shoes to fill. We were so excited to work together. He and I, just like you and I, have been friends for a long time. And so we had been kind of talking about this for a few months. I was interviewing and working with other companies been preparing to join other companies for this new role. And then just pretty instantaneously, all of the stars aligned and he was like, come work with me. And I said, okay. And that was it. It happened really quickly. I left Distribute in the spring of 2022 and then GitLab 2022. Yes. So yeah, so he and I were collaborating for a few months and then he had this other opportunity and it was just absolutely like me supporting him 100% because I knew how much fresh energy I was feeling in my mm. career because I was in a new opportunity. And I knew that he needed and wanted the same burst of fresh energy. We all deserve that after such a busy few years. And mm -hmm. so he was like, are you good? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. We're good. So yeah, here I am not exactly expecting to be the new spokesperson no, no, in the I mean, remote work We don't world. want this pressure anyway, in general. <laughs> yeah. And not, you have a very different expert. role. Like your role, you are like a strategy and operation expert, professional, and you're bringing loads of expertise 
for GitLab and actually yes. you are working now on team ops. So can you maybe just tell us a little bit like what are you doing right now at GitLab? Yeah, I think that that's the perfect segue because as I become this new spokesperson, that's the first question from everybody is, ooh, are you new of the new head of remote, right? Because Darren was the pioneer of that role and it is such now such a popular role to be the head of remote. And ironically, I'm not. I'm the head of team ops. And what that means really explains the direction that GitLab wants to take the remote work conversation. And so what team ops is, it's all about how to operate as an information-based company. So we're really helping people understand that in order to be successful as a distributed team or a hybrid team or even an on-site team, you just need to be operating in a new way. And if we keep talking about where people are working, we're never going to stop having this fight about home office versus office. So in order to resolve that war, we need to shift the conversation to how can people align if they're not sharing time and location? And so the replacement for that is to instead share information. That's what keeps distributed teams connected. So team ops is really that higher conversation, that broader conversation of, yes, we can work anywhere. And that's really cool as a company. But What's a bigger conversation and much more important to understand is that that is only enabled because of how we work. So team ops is really that future of the conversation, that evolution, the head of remote role. Essentially, we retired that jersey with Darren and we said that was fantastic. And that was exactly what the world needed at that time. But now the world needs to understand how to make this work successfully and sustainably. And that's what team ops is. I love this. I love this because this is, you know, right now they're always saying like, are people like becoming less into remote? Or like what's the, what's going on? People are just declining remote. And I keep saying, no, it's not that people are going away from remote. It's that they don't mm-hmm. want to use history that word because it might not be inclusive enough. And they more want mm-hmm. us to think about what does flexibility means? What does work in the new world of work means? Creating a great digital employee experience. And like, this yeah. is to me where the angle should be in any like, so right, you know, all of the remote work consultancy or everything, I think the new angle really needs to be like optimizing for the new ways of work, which is how I try to focus on with modern leaders. But I think in general, this yeah. is really where like, once you find your niche, it's going to be um, mu- much better for companies this is really what they're needing at the moment. And I'm really excited to learn more about what you're creating at TeamUps because this is so needed. I think this is key to just start from like, the foundation, like what are our operations? So mm-hmm. what is team ops? Tell me everything about yeah. it. Yeah, essentially what it is, is exactly like you're saying, we're trying to articulate as much as possible what is different. What is that X factor between us as GitLab and traditional organizations or hybrid organizations? What is the difference between a team that went remote during the pandemic and did it really well and is thriving versus a team that went remote during the pandemic and isn't doing well and isn't thriving, right? What are those X factors that are so inherent for so many companies, but need to be explicit in order to be trained successfully and to be measured successfully and in order to be fulfilled successfully? 
So TeamOps is, like I said, all about becoming an information-based company. And so where it came from is a decision-making model called MEC or Managing So Everyone Can Contribute, which is the motto of GitLab. And so it was all about how do we make decisions really, really effectively and how can we get on the same page and make sure that everybody can contribute to these conversations regardless of location? How do we make sure that those decisions don't fizzle out, that they can gain velocity in in the work stream? And then how do we measure if that decision was successful or not? And then restart the cycle. So that's where it came from. And that's exactly what we're evolving it into. The differences that I've brought to the model so far is number one, to make it a model. It started out as a very inspirational management theory. And I was like, no, in order to, for it to be able to be implemented by other companies, we need to make this a model. It's got to be very, very clear to understand. And we need step-by-step instructions, right? We need a remote work for dummies, right? Like, how do you do this in a way that you can't mess up? And we as GitLab really want that for our customers, for the people in our network, and just for any business of any size. How can you do this successfully? What do you need to be empowered with? What knowledge do you need to understand in order to be successful, no matter where you're working. So we've made the TeamOps course free for absolutely anybody to take. And then there are deeper learning opportunities that are available for sale. But we really wanted to make sure that that was a high priority, that the TeamOps course is and always will be free. And that's the same course that we use for onboarding our own employees. So this is literally how GitLab works. This is our ways of working in action that now everybody has access to. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Daphne Laforet, founder of Modern Leaders, a consulting collective enabling you to walk the talk and scale your company for the remote first future. Our team comes from over a decade of distributed team leadership experience, where we work with organizations from 25 to 5,000 employees. And I am so excited to have put together this podcast to share with you everything that we've been learning over the years. This is the Remote First Podcast. So instead of being mostly like an open handbook, right now it's more like, here are how can you operate a company from zero Mm. to 100 completely digitally using the course that you put together. Yeah, how do you operate as a handbook first? organization. You know, that's what GitLab is known for, right? We have this handbook. Your handbook is also over 3000 pages, you know? So it's not like you can just sit down and flip through it and be like, oh, okay, I get it now. That's, it's not to that level of digestion. So we wanted something very distilled and very focused. That's like, hey, don't get lost in the weeds. Be inspired by the handbook. Absolutely. But we want to make sure that people aren't getting too intimidated by that vision of this huge handbook. And they're saying, oh, in order to be a handbook first organization, I need to have a 3000 page repository. Like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Like don't we, that's step 100. We're going to take you on steps one through five. How do you build a mindset around a handbook? Why do you need a handbook and how can that affect your operational model? So yeah, that's what Team Ops is just getting started in that mindset about why documentation is important and how to operate either as an individual 
or as a team in a documentation first way. So from that team ups course that you know you all probably know by heart now, <laughs> maybe what would be like the three key aspects of that course or topics that you think this is like what you have to focus on if you could have like a TLDR of the course mm -hmm. right now and be like, these are the tricky things that companies need to focus on at the moment, considering like the kind of environment that we are in. Yeah. Well, conveniently, I actually already went through the model itself, just in the explanation of it. So we have four principles or and action tenants of mm -hmm. what this model is. And those are first shared reality, which is where you all get on the same page through documentation so that it is 100% explicit. These are expectations for behaviors or work streams or results or goals. Everything is documented. And so you all have 100% accessibility to what is happening and what are we all working towards. And then the next phase of the model is that everyone can contribute to it. So building communication channels or accessibility functionality for your handbook or whatever communication channels you're using so that everybody can contribute. So this is where we talk about, you know, asynchronous workflows, reducing synchronous meetings, creating functionality so people can add to the handbook and it's not just owned by one person, but making sure that everybody has an equal voice in the team for diversity and inclusion, as well as just efficiency. And then speaking of efficiency, then the next phase of the model is decision velocity. And I personally love that word velocity because it really it. speaks yeah. to that speed, right? Like, okay, we've made a decision. Now, how do we take action as quickly as possible? And I have to say, I've been a COO and in operations, upper management for, let's see, 12 of the past 20 years of my career. And I have never seen operational efficiency in any organization that I've worked with like I have at GitLab. It is absolutely mind-blowing and so inspiring. In every phase of my career, I was always being told to like, slow down, Laurel, right? Like, wait for mm. the rest of us. You're too much of an overachiever. Like, just chill out. And so that's always been my performance feedback is like, just chill out. Slow down. Get to and our level, here, you know, like get to our standards that are right. low. <laughs> right. And I was always embarrassed about it, right? That I'm like, oh, I'm not being respectful of the other team members. And, the, you know, and here, the only performance feedback I've gotten on that topic is, well, why haven't you done it already? Just go. We trust you. Just do it. Go faster. I'm like, what? It's just so exciting for me to feel that level of trust and permission. And so I, I think one of my favorite action tenants from this decision velocity category is bias for action, that it truly, we teach companies how to enable proactivity and autonomy in a way that people as individuals and people as teams really have that permission to just go. You don't have to wait for anything. Just go. It's really exciting to me. So that's decision velocity. And then the last phase of the model is measurement clarity. Did we do what we were achieving to do? What went well? What didn't go well? That feedback phase and that measurement phase is so often neglected by companies. 
And so if we don't learn from what we've done, we can't replicate it in the future and we can't iterate on it in the future and continue to grow. We just get stuck in one-time projects over and over. So it really creates, it takes that velocity and turns it into momentum that you can then start over on the cycle and then create a new shared reality and start over again with your team. So it's a really exciting mindset for people to be able to understand of this is just a new way of working that is Mm -hmm. not, you don't have to wait for anything. It enables not only business continuity, but business momentum, which is really, for a COO, that's a really exciting prospect to be teaching people. That's awesome to hear. I'm just, it gets, it's really exciting because none, even not once I heard you use the word remote or distributed or this is just work now. guys. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> and it's That's also, the biggest secret, right? Yes. Remote work is just work. <laughs> yes. And it's basically, there is a lot of new learnings to, let's just accept the fact that now we are all working mostly digitally. I don't care where you are mm-hmm. working from. We're working mostly in the digital world. We're communicating digitally mostly. So let's really think how we are putting our work together, how we're collaborating together so that we can get that decision moving, that movement and get these operations going. So it's really exciting to see. I'm going to go have a look at this team ups course for sure. Is there like, because I'm thinking, you know, you, you, there is the course and everything. If from your own experience working with companies, is there like, one, maybe one specific thing you think that most companies are lacking at the moment that there is something from that course or from that kind of topics that would be the most important for them to focus Mm -hmm. on? I think the reason that the decision velocity principle is the most exciting for me is because of that. As a remote work thought leader, that was a conversation that I had over and over and over and over. I mean, we're talking millions of times that I had to help people understand that when you are working in a distributed environment, it requires so much more of a proactive mindset in your entire workforce. We are so conditioned in office environments to be reactive to visual cues that happen in our environment, right? People walk up to us and we respond or we see somebody frustrated at their desk and we go check on them or we see people gathering in the conference room and we know something's coming up. We're very reactive. And so over time, what that means is we have very dependent employees that are just waiting for their next instructions. And that is the mindset that prohibits success in newly distributed teams, because what you then have is a whole bunch of people sitting at their desks, waiting for instructions or waiting for cues that aren't going to come when they're mm. in and when they're location independent. So that's why you see so much business <laughs> discontinuity, why you see people not being as productive as they could be because they're waiting. They're waiting for instructions. They're waiting to be told what to do next or they're waiting to be checked on. And so I think that the critical point of success for newly remote teams is you have to develop that mindset that Everybody is a manager of one. You have to be a self-manager. If you don't have a manager walking around you all day, that management is now up to you. And so having that more proactive approach of, I have a problem, how am I going to fix it? I feel lonely. What can I do to fill those feelings of isolation? Like being proactive in Mm. 
I feel stressed. What can I do to adjust my workload in order to, you know, prevent burnout? Like that self-management is so critical. So the decision velocity section, a little bit of everybody contributes, but also mostly that decision velocity section of team ups really drills down into that and makes it very, very clear about what the difference is between having that reactive mindset versus a proactive mindset. And more importantly, how managers can instill those values in their team members and help empower them to feel more autonomous and more trusted. So a different style of communication, a different level of, a different style of project management. It's a big adjustment for everybody, but it's very worth it. It reminds me of an episode of a pod, the podcast Rework that is from Basecamp, 37Signal. Mm-hmm. The latest episode was that. It was like, hire a manager of one. Like in mm-hmm. a remote team, what you want is somebody who can self-manage themselves. And it's yeah. interesting because also right now, there's a lot of like, in the news, I'm seeing Meta talking about cutting off mid-management or like, with the layoffs and everything, people are trying and remote work, they're realizing they're trying to get rid of maybe people are just kind of there to manage other people and just make Mm -hmm. everybody able to be strong individual contributors that can collaborate together and manage themselves and be autonomous. I'm so agreeing with you that why people are failing at working in a distributed manner is the lack of autonomy. And there's no tools in place for them to be autonomous, for their team to be autonomous and not needing always someone next to them to be able to do their work. So Absolutely. go have a look at this yeah. team ups. <laughs> team yeah, I think you're going <laughs> to love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's not remote specific at all, right? Like yeah. this is a nut that we've needed to crack as a business world for a long time, right? How yeah. do you measure productivity of somebody without watching them? Is that actually providing any accurate results? Probably not. Mm -hmm. And how do we fuel intrinsic motivation so that people are productive without their manager watching? Like, you know, these have been problems that we've been trying to solve since the 70s. Anyway, remote work just happened to incubate it at a higher acceleration rate because we were like, well, we literally don't have the option of watching them at all. So we can't like baby step our way to a solution. It's like, well, we got to figure this out right now because we can't see people. So that's why we happen to be more of experts in this space, but it's definitely going to be valuable and critical for any team, regardless of their workplace model. Hmm. And for those companies who maybe they go watch this course and they're like, that's not enough for me. Like I want to, I want to dig deeper. Is there any way for them to dig deeper into this? Absolutely. Yep. And that's exactly what we're building is lots of opportunities to do that. So yeah, the course is, is the appetizer and that's maybe that, that satisfies your taste and maybe it doesn't. So any teams that are looking for deeper opportunities, we do have consulting available. We have workshops available. We've got other courses available on the individual level. So yes, that is going to be the future of team ops is making sure that we are creating as many resources as possible for companies to dive as deep into this world as they would like to, because we want them to. It's been so beneficial for GitLab. You know, we've been able to grow as a company at such an accelerated rate that is record-breaking in so many ways. And so much of that is because of the ways that we work, which is team ops. So yeah, we want to share the wealth and pay it forward to the world. 
Well, thank you, Laurel. Congrats for joining GitLab. And I think it's so exciting. I cannot wait. I'm just looking and following you this year in 2023. Do you have like, I don't know, a wish for 2023 as it comes, you know, what do you wish for the workplace world at the moment? I guess outside of the horrible layoffs that are happening over and over, maybe outside of this, is there other things that you have in mind maybe for 2023 for companies? Yeah. I think that it would be kind of a bridge between what we're experiencing now and what I hope that the future is with team ups is that managers and individuals as managers of one, like we talked about, can really focus on psychological safety, just making sure that we are taking care of people, taking care of each other and learning how to communicate trust, learning how to communicate effectively, really exercising and flexing those social skills in a distributed world. I mean, even if we're not in a remote team, you know, we're often distributed from family members and friends. And so really just exercising those communication skills and developing our emotional intelligence in long distance ways, I think will set the stage for success for all of us personally and professionally in the future of work. 100%. 100% agree with you, Laurel. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And we were really doing Thank so. I'm so excited me. that you are coming. Thank you for tuning in to Remote First. You can find all links and show notes in the episode description. And if you found value in this show, we'd love your rating on your listening app of choice. Thank you for being here. See you next time.